Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Skiff Meetings podcast. My name is Miguel Neves and I'm the editor-in-chief of Skiff Meetings. And in this episode, I am diving into our latest report, which has just been released. It is called the Event Technology Made Simple Report, the 2023 edition. And it is a very extensive report on event technology, on the different event technologies that you will find on the market today. The podcast episode covers a little bit of what's included in the report and goes into the background of why the report really exists. I talk a little bit about the landscape of event technology right now and how features and functionality has changed. Talk about the features and the the categories that we list and some of the things which I call the deal breaker features, which I think are actually really important uh, when you're selecting event technology. So if you're at all interested in event technology and that is part of what you do as a planner or an event professional, make sure you stick around. This is a short podcast that will give you a good overview of what we have to offer. I invite you to listen to the other episodes of the podcast, which you can find also on our website or you can subscribe to your favorite podcast service. for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. So welcome, welcome. Uh, Usually there would be a guest with me on the podcast, but today it's just me. And I hope that you still enjoy the podcast just with my voice. I will try to make it as succinct and as direct as I can, as I think this is an important topic, but it's also a topic where we can easily get lost. So let's jump in. We've just released Event Technology Made Simple, the 23 edition. This is a brand new report. And I want to start by uh, explaining why this is um, a new report. Um, We have, um, for this report, covered 69 different types of event technology or different companies and products uh, in event technology. We are comparing and contrasting 61 of those companies that fall into a category which I would call event management to some extent. And that is kind of the ethos of the report. But in doing that, we also uncover um, things about how the market is shifting, what companies look like today, how um, they're being used, what questions they're being asked. So there's a lot of information that we actually gather in collecting um, data from the event management and event technology companies. So that's what really what we kind of surface in this report. We uh, split up the report in, in, an, in an interesting way that I hope uh, planners will find useful. So there, there's a temptation with event technology for every company to call themselves an all-in-one um, event technology company. And most do. So most of the 61 that we're comparing and contrasting do fall into this category or consider themselves in this category. 
but we've also split up some that we felt were a little bit different and some were self-selected and some were actually our editorial choice to do that. So we've split out matchmaking platforms because there is a subset of those uh, platforms that really focus uh, very much on matchmaking and they have different approaches among that, but um, matchmaking is a sort of common denominator. We also identified some um, products that were really more focused on the mobile app experience. Now, most of these also have some sort of um, desktop or virtual event platform along with them, but they're really focused on the event app primarily. And so I thought it was good to split those out. Then there are those that are primarily virtual event platforms. Again, some of these have features and functionalities that also work for hybrid and in-person events but we felt it was important that they had their own category. And one last category that we identified was audience engagement platforms, um, you know, audience response systems, those kind of things. There are a few um, specialist platforms that we've isolated um, just because we felt that they were so unique, uh, so different in their approach that comparing them with the others wouldn't really make sense. And that's why there's eight um, separate, um, separately listed uh, platforms that we've that we've really identified in that way. So that's how we've laid it all out. And then within that, um, there are a number of different event technologies or sort of features within that that we also split out. And so I'll get into what those are a little bit later when we cover a little bit of the, the features that we're that we went through in this report. But I wanted to go back to why we created this report in the first place. Some of you who have been following SCIF meetings and previously Event MB may be aware of the Event App Bible and the Virtual Event Tech Guide. These are two reports that have been downloaded by literally thousands of event professionals. The Mobile Event App Bible originally, then we renamed it to the Mobile Event App Guide. That was created 10 years ago. The first edition came out in 2013, really when event mobile event apps really started to explode in the industry. And so it was an incredibly important report for the history of Event MP that later became SCIF Meetings. The Virtual Event Tech um, Guide came out, the first edition came out in 2020, which was really around the, the kind of boom of the pandemic and the boom of the virtual event tech platforms. Again, uh, very well received. We had thousands of downloads for those three editions over the years. The challenge that we had uh, now is that these technologies are essentially merging. Many of the companies, if not most of the companies that used to develop um, event apps or mobile event apps, pivoted uh, to offer virtual events tech platforms. And many of them did so very well. Some stuck around and did just mobile event apps, but most pivoted. And now um, they're not necessarily unpivoting or sort of moving back, but they're really trying to offer many different things. So we didn't think it made sense to have separate reports on these separate technologies. Also because many of the features that you'll find in a mobile app or mobile event app will also be in uh, the same company or the same platform's virtual event app or virtual platform. So it made sense to approach these in a, in a sort of unified way. We had in previous reports talked about sort of hybrid approaches. Um, the hybrid approach seems to have not been super popular. You could call these platforms hybrid platforms, but I think the word hybrid can mean different, many different things. So we decided to take a more kind of holistic approach 
and try to encompass lots of different um, technologies into one report. Now, of course, we know that that is a tall order. That is a hard thing to do. And this is our first attempt at it. And hopefully we'll, it will be well received. Uh, you will enjoy using it. You'll enjoy uh, reading it. And we can always improve it as we go forward. We're hoping that this will become an annual report that we can update every year um, as platforms develop, as new technologies come on the market. So we're looking forward to making this really um, an important franchise for us. So let's jump into what's included in this edition. I think you now have an understanding of what we were trying to do and, and how we approached it. And we gathered a, you know, quite a lot of information from event technology providers, and they were very forthcoming. They were happy to answer our survey questions. We kept it simple, um, but we did dive into quite a lot of things. And I wanted to share some of the highlights, some of the things that we found that maybe weren't obvious or maybe aren't obvious to, um, to many. So we, we looked at the company profiles, um, how long they've been developing event technology, and we've also looked at the size of the companies. So starting with the, you know, how long they've been developing event technology, um, it may not be surprising that there's only one, I think, uh, company that was uh, created in the last um, year. So there's only one real newcomer. There was a lot of, a few um, that are between one and six years old now, which is sort of the pandemic period. Um, and there are actually quite a lot that are older than 10 years, almost half. So, uh, you know, for us, that says that it's a kind of a maturing or mature market now. That boom that um, existed during the pandemic, that virtual event uh, technology boom, seems to have died down. And so we're dealing with relatively mature companies for the most part. There are a few included in this that are kind of new during the pandemic, but I'd say that's around 20% of the companies that we surveyed. So not a huge amount. Most people, most of these companies were developing event technology before the pandemic and then kind of shifted to um, offering that virtual event platform as well as maybe an app or a matchmaking system, something like that. In terms of company sizes, um, this is something that we've been kind of following for a little while. And there are a few large companies or on the larger end, which we were considering more than 500 employees, about 10% of companies. But the caveat here is that most of these companies are not just developing event technology. They are companies like Zoom, for example, which has the Zoom events uh, portion of it, which is the one that we focus on in this um, uh, report. But really, it's a much larger company that focuses on video conferencing and an office software, which is a, a kind of a different part of technology. There's others like Notified and Kaltura that also have, uh, they're quite large companies, but they have many different uh, divisions and the event technology side is not um, is not that large. So we don't have exact numbers for how many people work just on event technology, but it was just a caveat. But what's interesting, I think, for me is that most companies, and I'd say more than 50%, are between 11 and 100 employees, so less than 100 employees. So we're talking about relatively small companies, mid-sized or small companies, depending on you know what you consider a, a small company. But we're not talking about 
corporate giants, with a few exceptions. Now, I, I want to also mention that Cvent is, I guess, the, the biggest exception here because it is a company with more than 500 employees that is only focused on event technology. But even Cvent has the uh, supplier, the um, the um, hospitality cloud side of the business, which isn't strictly a technology business. It, it is more of a, a venue finding uh, tool, if you will, um, and venue management in some extent. But that is um, sort of the, the one kind of large company. And that, that is very obvious when you look at these numbers. We asked the companies about their top client sectors and, and kind of corporate uh, came out on top. Uh, we, we specifically tried to ask for the top uh, sector. Um, and some companies really challenged us and, and, and tried to answer this in many different ways. But we were very curious about you know, what is it that the kind of the biggest client for each uh, company is. And yeah, the answers came out around corporate, um, financial and insurance, medical, pharma, biotech, and also technology. Uh, technology is actually the biggest single sector of the ones that we that we allowed for selection. But corporate is really the largest one. And then some um, are focused on acad academia and education and also associations and nonprofits. So a kind of a, a varied client base, but more focused on the corporate. We also asked about pricing models, uh, which is a tough question because a lot of pricing models overlap. Um, most companies don't want to say bespoke or custom pricing. So there was a little, little bit of reluctance in sort of um, talking about that. But essentially, the pricing model is not that simple. Um, and many companies um, do a per uh, attendee pricing, but there are also add-ons. There's other things that other factors that come into consideration. So it's not easy to describe uh, pricing always, which we know is a challenge. We know that event professionals find this challenging. And that's why we really try to get a, a definite answer from each company. But even then, uh, even if we only allow for some uh, different category selection, the pricing question is a little bit tricky. Um, I'd say the, the most common is is based on the number of attendees, but there's also a lot of companies going more towards a subscription model. And that usually involves having a, a rough idea of attendee count and participant count, but it's not as strict as a sort of per attendee uh, or per participant uh, model. One thing that we've noticed really developed over the last few years is the idea of uh, support. Um, support really feels like it's become uh, a really uh, understood part of the um, the needs of event planners. Um, the time it takes for support or the kind of commitment from companies to offer support, especially in the day of the event or day of an event, is really impressive. Um, all companies listed are offering support um, in under an hour. Uh, day of during an event support and most I'd say the vast majority something like 85% are offering uh, support in under 10 minutes which I think is really impressive when it's before an event or kind of during a normal work day um, those times are a little more extended but the vast majority again are offering support in under an hour uh, which again I think is, is quite impressive when you're when you're thinking about um, the very unique needs of event technology and event management. So I think that's really interesting to see. 
Some other areas that we covered were the event formats that the companies are using, um, are supporting. Uh, In-person, definitely in the majority now. We asked companies to give us an estimate of what the split looks like this year, but also what it looked last year when they look back. And in-person was already the largest last year at 46%, but now it's jumped to 56% based on contracted events. Um, hybrid is relatively unchanged. That's around the 23 to 21% mark. And virtual really is the one that uh, declined. That's really the one that, that picked up, that, uh, that dropped down around 10%. So um, interestingly, there are still a lot. And of course, keep in mind that these companies um, have different approaches. So a company that focuses more on the virtual event tech will have majority events in virtual, if not all of them. So these numbers aren't necessarily um, a great average. And that's why it's challenging to compare between different companies because each has a different approach. So it's interesting to, to see that overall anyhow. So those are the things that, that we've kind of learned from the survey that we've done. And now I want to talk a little bit about the, um, the categories that we have. Um, so these are categories that we asked companies if they, um, they have um, tools or if their platform uh, works with these categories. And then I'll talk a little bit about this idea of <clears throat> deal breaker features, because I think that's, um, that they're, they're quite important. So the categories we were looking at uh, is event marketing. And what we mean by that is <clears throat> event uh, website or email marketing through the platform, registration, and happy to say that most platforms, at least in the kind of all-in-one category, offer registration. But for example, mobile apps um, don't tend to have registration. So that's uh, definitely a red flag if you're kind of considering <clears throat> more of a mobile app approach, but, but registration is important. We asked about separately about payment processing because um, some event apps are focusing just on, on free events or, or aren't really considering that idea of, of payment processing. Um, so we asked to kind of identify that. And, and of course, that can come internally um, you know, or it can be um, linked to a payment processing service. But there are a few that don't offer this feature. So I think it's important to identify those. We asked about event management that we're really um, considering to be a sort of back-end management of speakers and education and that kind of thing. We asked about check-in and badging. We asked about a mobile uh, mobile app feature or mobile app um, offering, virtual event platform, and also community management. Uh, and this is one that not um, the majority offer some sort of community management platform. And what we mean by community patch match management in this case is really being able to turn the event into something that is open uh, all year round and where you can really uh, create a community kind of login and go in and explore the content. So really more content on demand uh, and evolution of a event platform uh, a virtual event platform perhaps, and then using that for uh, some sort of community functionality. Um, we also asked about reporting and analytics, which happy to say the vast majority of platforms offer. Uh, and those were the sort of standard features that we would expect in event technology. Of course, different platforms, different softwares have different approaches. They try to service different markets. So what may sound obvious isn't always obvious. So it's very interesting to understand those different approaches. Now, the deal breaker features are a little bit different. So they're not these sort of categories of tools. Um, and so we thought that it was important to 
look not so much at a huge number of features because that's what we've done in the past with the previous um, guides and reports that we've published, but more about the, the things that really make a difference and that's why we call them deal breaker features. So I'll, I'll just talk through these and I think uh, hopefully they make sense and they will be something that different uh, planners will be looking for and, and really assessing tools um, based on these. So the first one is integrations. Uh, really, we're talking here about APIs or some way of um, platforms talking to each other. And the big one here for many people is the idea of connecting a CRM, uh, something like Salesforce or HubSpot to um, the event technology platform. And there are other you know, kind of ways or important things that, that could be considered when it comes to integrations. But really the idea that the platform doesn't have to manage all the data by itself. It can, it can then securely share data with other platforms to kind of build a bigger event tech stack. And I think that's really, really important, really, really important going forward. Another deal breaking feature is something that we've already talked about is support. Uh, and really I, I differentiated or we looked at differentiating who offered uh, the kind of 24 hour support uh, which is, I think, uh, an important um, part when you're, especially when you're doing live events in different parts of the world, it's really important to be able to have that kind of level of support. And I've already mentioned that most companies are doing very, very quick um, turnarounds for support, especially the day of. So look, I think fortunately, most companies are, are really looking after uh, their clients in that sense. Another important deal breaker question was data privacy and security. And, and really the question I asked here was around the um, use of data, how platforms are using data. And so the vast majority are um, using data in the sense of, of controlling the data uh, and allowing the clients to be really the only controllers. So the data that is collected at registration, only it can only be used by that one client and it's really up to the client to do whatever they want with the data. Now there are a few platforms that take a different approach, which is a shared control of the data. And there are advantages to this approach. It does make it easier if you're attending multiple events on that platform and if you're doing different things, you can sort of keep your profile because when you build a profile on that platform, then you are uh, essentially you know, allowing that platform to also control your data. Uh, but many corporations and associations aren't happy with that approach. So I felt like this, this was a very important question to ask and to list out which companies are doing that and which ones aren't. Some actually offer both approaches, so you could, so the client can select. So really interesting as a sort of deal breaker. Now I have three more deal breaker questions. Um, they're a little bit simpler, but I still think that they're important ones. One is white labeling, which is really the idea of not having a brand on the platform. So when a platform is ready for an event and, and the attendees log in, uh, whether it's a mobile app or, or it's a virtual event platform of any kind, they don't see any other branding. They just see the corporation or the association that's putting on the event. They only see their branding. Um, this is very important for, for a lot of people. And I think luckily most, I think 88.5% of the vendors included offer this feature, but some don't. Some always have some sort of um, you know, note or some sort of branding uh, that makes it obvious what platform is being used. And so that might be a deal breaker for some uh, event planners. 
Another one that I thought was a deal breaker is unbundling this idea that you can um, use a tool for just one feature or one kind of part of it. So th the simple example is if you wanted to um, use one of these platforms for a mobile app for an event, but you didn't want to use the registration or you didn't want to use other parts of the tool. Uh, and again, here, fortunately, most vendors are happy to do that. Um, there are a few questions around pricing, if, if you still have to pay for everything, even if you're only using one part. But at least having that option is, is also important, I think, um, so that you're not always forced to use everything um, that the vendor offers. And the last one is localization, uh, meaning the, the kind of translation or the uh, user experience being available in multiple different languages. Again, the vast majority of the platforms have uh, some sort of translation or are able to offer the platform in different languages. Um, this is a tough one because there's a lot of different details. You know, if it's the, the back end of the platform or the front end where the, where the users are experiencing it. So localization is not a straightforward and, and some companies will offer a, a set of languages, let's say eight main languages. Others offer kind of almost unlimited languages. So there's a lot of nuance within the different kind of levels of localization. But still, I think it's important as a, as a sort of um, deal breaker feature. So those are the deal breaker features, which I think are is something that we're going to be talking about a lot more uh, because as we know, it's become pretty tricky to really understand different um, event technologies, different platforms. It takes, you know, it's hard to do demos and to keep up to date uh, with different platforms. So understanding these deal breaker features, I think is, is really important um, when you have to narrow down the selection or the, the different um, companies that you're considering and then take it from there to really uh, be able to kind of even do better or to select um, the one that is <clears throat> the best fit for you. I don't believe that there's a perfect platform for anybody. I always believe that there's a, a best, best fit and that best fit can change over time. So it's very important to keep up to date with that. I want to mention our sponsors very quickly. So there's two sponsors for this report. Uh, Cvent, which I've already mentioned before, but Cvent are a, you know, a real uh, large, the one large company in the events industry. Um, Cvent are a event marketing and management platform. Uh, and according to them, they combine the best of breed products into one comprehensive platform, streamlining planning processes and delivering a superior attendee experience for any event type and format. The platform provides a single source of truth for insights into event performance and attendee interest into increase ROI. Um, I definitely, uh, if you're not familiar with the Cvent platform, I definitely recommend you check it out. Um, they are one of our sponsors, so we appreciate that. I also wanted to mention our other sponsor, which falls into the sort of specialist unique platform. So it's not one that is included in the tables of comparison with everyone else, but I still wanted to mention them because it is a platform that's relatively new to me um, and it offers something very different. <clears throat> it is uh, Onyx Center Source. Uh, and again, I'm just gonna read their profiles so you're familiar with what they do. A leading global provider of B2B payments and business intelligence solutions for the hospitality industry. Onyx facilitates in excess of $2.1 billion in payments annually, partnering with more than 15, sorry, 150,000 hotel properties and 200,000 travel booking providers in 160 countries. Group Pay by Onyx Center Source, and that is the product, is an industry, industry 
first payments automation platform that provides hotels and meeting professionals unparalleled transparency and efficiency to track and proactively manage their event commissions, enabling easy reconciliation and faster payments. So that is a unique product that's all about commissions and, and kind of automating commission payments. And I think that is quite an interesting uh, area because it's not uh, an area of event technology that I've seen a lot of products cover. So it's really interesting and um, I hope you you know, want to find out more about them um, and I do appreciate them uh, sponsoring the report. So that's all I have for you. I hope you enjoyed that kind of whirlwind tour of event technology made simple, our brand new report. Please go and check it out on the website. It is free to download, um, available to anybody who's interested in event technology. And I'd love to get your feedback. Let me know how we can improve um, the report. Let me know what's missing. Let me know if you like it. Uh, we'd also love to have some, some positive or negative feedback, but always constructive. So let us know what you think. Um, and I look forward to um, speaking with you soon uh, on another edition of the Skiff Meetings podcast. Till then, farewell. <laughs>